Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Today is part of a special interview series I did at the Tonic Conference in Santa Barbara about the health of our oceans and the technology that is being developed in order to solve those issues, which are large. Um, And it's part of a theme on my stress and creativity because the ocean is one of the largest sources of creativity for humans, for species all over the planet. Uh, And we are placing a large stress on that ocean. Uh, So this interview I did, it's very interesting. Uh, and the last few inter- interviews I've done on this subject were basically setting up the scene about like what are the issues, trash, uh, um, you know, m- plastics, what are all the issues to face- that we're facing. And today is really special because um, I interviewed somebody who is uh, actually building technology. Uh, and this technology is super interesting because it's old school technology and he's trying to basically spread the knowledge of how to do it. But it's really anti-fragile uh, in its application. Uh, so, and I'll let him ex- describe it more. Um, really hope this is a value to you in understanding some of the problems that we're facing, facing as a species and maybe some of the solutions. I'm, you know, I think it's stupid to talk about problems without talking about solutions because a lot of people just end up talking about problems all day and you can get a lot of people to listen to you just by talking about problems. Um, Uh, But if you're not really thinking about solutions, then your reasons for talking about the problems are, uh, I would call, virtue signaling. Uh, So let's try to figure out the solutions. Um, And so this interview hopefully will provide that. Um, If you do find it interesting, please find me on Twitter at Stuart Alsop, I-I-I, and let me know your thoughts. Uh, Let me know if there's anything I can do to improve. Um, Let me know if there's any guests you'd like me to see or like me to interview. Hope you have a great day. So welcome to the Crazy Wisdom podcast here at Tonic Ocean Conference about technology that can be used to help uh, conserve our oceans, one of our greatest creative assets as human beings. Uh, I'm here today with Bren Smith, who is an ocean farmer and an executive director of Green Wave. Uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So what is Green Wave? What are you guys doing? So Green Wave is we're training the next generation of restorative ocean farmers. Mm. And, um, you know, what restorative ocean farming is, is, a, is a growing a mix of shellfish and seaweeds in a sort of vertical farming systems. And we like it because, one, it's zero input takes no fresh water, no fertilizer, no feed uh, to grow the species. And it's also, um, you know, we're sequestering carbon, nitrogen, our farms functional as um, artificial reefs. So, you know, at this time of climate change and the stress on the oceans, we need systems that breathe life back into our ecosystems. Uh-huh. Like sustainability isn't enough uh-huh. anymore. So vertical uh, far- farming, but is this in the ocean? Yeah, yeah, okay. it's in the ocean. All underwater, we grow in everywhere from four feet of water to 600 feet of water. Whoa. And we work right now in seven different states as Green Wave. And um, uh, yeah, it's an interesting space because, you know, our oceans from our perspective, are almost a blank slate, mm-hmm. right? You know, fish declines, but, um, uh, and, uh, you know, the end of a, of, of a real legacy there. I was a commercial fisherman. Uh, uh, I dropped out of high school and fished the, fished the globe and then shifted and asked the ocean, sort of what does it make sense to grow, mm-hmm. right? And when you do that, the ocean does not say, why don't you grow salmon and tuna? <laughs> because if you look at the ocean as a unique agricultural space, you can grow things that don't swim away and you don't have to feed. 
It's really simple. So mm. we just use ropes and buoys. And the ocean's huge. Like if you were to farm less than 5% of U.S. waters, you could create 50 million jobs and the protein equivalent of 3 trillion hamburgers with all, like with zero fresh water. Whoa. Yeah. All in the salt water, all using ropes and buoys. Yeah. And, and all basically re-engineering that to create things that the ocean already creates. What are you, what, what, can you go again into the protein sources that you guys are creating? Yeah, so, um, you know, we grow in single system, we grow mussels, clams, oysters, scallops, um, and then uh, sugar kelp is our seaweeds. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, we also grow uh, type of gracilaria. But on all of our different farms, there's different mixes as long as it's zero input crops. Um, what does zero input crop mean? So that just, so it means it grows just by soaking up nutrients mm. like carbon, nitrogen, and phosphorus and sunlight right so you know it's the sort of the culinary equivalent of the electric car mm. in a way it takes it takes uh, very little re- resources and um, uh, you know the funny thing for us is there's a nutrient deficiency on land right farmers are saying we can't get enough nutrients well those nutrients have been leached into the ocean mm. there's too much oh. nitrogen in the ocean there's too much carbon um, and that's like creating dead zones Whoa. so we can soak that up with say our seaweeds and bring that back to land-based farms and use it as fertilizer, use it as compost. If you provide cattle a 2% diet of a type of seaweed, asparagopsis, you get a 58% reduction in methane output. Like this can bridge between land and sea, I think is, are, is really a, a fertile grounds for building new, like a new ag and new food system. That is really cool. And can you go into the, can you set these up in the dead zones itself? Does it matter whether they're in the dead zones or whether outside of the dead zones? No, no, okay. we can set them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So that's really cool. And, and, uh, how, where are you guys at now? So we, um, you know, we've trained, uh, uh, and supported 50 farmers around the country. We have a waiting list of 4,000. Mm. It's just stunning. In every coastal state in North America, 20 countries around the world, um, there's sort of been this tsunami. What's, what's, uh, the question is how do we scale? We've got sort of a high touch training program, which is resource intensive. And we really use that to train, um, uh, folks like, uh, you know, native communities in Alaska, um, uh, uh, women, fishermen are who, who, that have been directly offended, uh, affected by climate change. But our open source platform that we're developing is going to be the, the key to scale, mm. like a learning community, a sets of tool, uh, tools and, um, uh, and data. Mm. And this is the interesting thing about technology in our field is that my soil turns over a thousand times a day, essentially, mm. the mm. water, mm. and I can't see the crops I grow. Mm. So um, while, while I'm no tech guy, um, uh, 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 the, having sensors on our farms is key. So we've got sensors in four states that feeds real-time information up about nutrient levels, lights, uh, light, and things like that. And then each farmer gets paid for harvesting that data. Mm. Like it's actually an additional income stream. Mm. Um, and that data can be sold to governments, tech companies, um, uh, uh, other people in the industry that are trying to figure out siting of farms. And so I think the farmer of the future for us is doing, you know, producing food and ag um, uh, products, um, uh, uh, selling data, so harvesting data and harvesting ecosystem services. Mm-hmm. So that carbon, that nitrogen, that has value. And suddenly you've got a really diverse, dynamic, climate resilient farm. And particularly now that uh, markets are set up for carbon essentially so you can tap into those essentially yeah we have to go through a sort of we're just starting a certification process which is like a year or two then we'll go through i mean there's a lot of activity and the price will be too low at first Mm. but over time that that price will get ratcheted up and it'll be it'll be core because if our crop fails Mm. one year 
where you want an incentive to have that farmer to keep planting. And something like a carbon credit, something like data income uh, uh, can keep the, you know, the farmer being like, oh, it's still worth it to plant. So uh, something I've, I've learned recently is that fish that is farmed uh, doesn't have the same omega-3 ratio as, a, as fish that is wild. Yeah. Uh, does that also, because also oysters are, are, have omega-3s in them, does that same thing with the farming? Or? So there's no, ev- like, uh, that, there's no evidence of that in, in our industry. Yeah. Um, and I think it's probably because, you know, an oyster doesn't need to swim. Oh, yeah. Right, it's not expending energy in a in a in a in a certain way, and our since since it's eating what it would eat in its natural environment, mm-hmm. which is just sucking water. Yeah, you know, um, uh, the feed issue and the the nutrient um, uh, the amount of nutrients in the feed just is issued like it's it's the exact same scenario. It's just yeah. a higher density. And what's one of the fascinating things we've just learned? There's a study that came out that looked at when you more densely um, uh, 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 plant eelgrass and clams, mm. the more you put in to mm. say, say a square foot, the higher the productivity of both species. Mm. The fascinating, mm. like the competition mm-hmm. ratchets up its productivity. So if you just plant a few clams, there's, you get, you end up with, um, way, way fewer of both species. And, um, so, so this sort of intensive farming in, in small, in vertical, pretty small 20 25 to 50 acres um you know the evidence is right now looking like it'll it'll increase productivity which is fascinating that is really cool yeah and how did you get into this how did you find yourself in this situation sure um uh uh you know a journey of of crisis right so i was a cod fisherman the cod stocks crashed i threw thirty thousand people out of work so then i went into the aquaculture industry salmon farms and salmon farms, in many ways, remain in um, environmental R&D stage, right? They still haven't solved some core issues. Hopefully they will. Um, uh, but so I left salmon and then started growing oysters, and I did that for seven years, and then I got hit by two hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Sandy and Hurricane Irene came in and wiped out my farm two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I realized I had to sort of adapt and refigure out uh, if, I, if I wanted to die on my boat one day mm-hmm. as the goal um, and, and have a small, small business, um, I was going to figure out a new system. So I lifted my farm off bottom, started growing a whole mix of species, allowed for resiliency. And so it was that, that climate moment uh, back against the wall, realizing this isn't a slow lobster boil, but like the climate crisis is here and now, and I was at the front lines, that created the that sort of creative moment, mm. um, a transformation into, you know, uh, what hopefully will be the, 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 you know, an early stage of a climate economy and, you know, climate farming. And that's so interesting. So how exactly did you come from that, that creative moment to get this idea of this, of this, of, uh, oysters, clams, all those different stuff? Um, so, you know, um, uh, depression and hopelessness, but stubbornness of where I want to live my life and having a job, what I think of as meaning, right? Job that people will still write songs and sing songs about, right? <laughs> Cultural things, the pride of feeding the country, having a self-directed life, no uh, boss, having your own boat, like that freedom, those, I wanted to retain that. And that comes from being a kid, right? My heroes were fishermen, they weren't astronauts, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, um, so is that, but then the, I think the, 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 there's a myth of individual inspiration. I, I think it's not true. What I did was borrowed steel, um, talk, talked, whatever I could. I mean, the first restorative ocean farmers were, were indigenous communities in Washington state who created clam walls, mm. like clam farms. Mm. So we have this incredible history to pull from, um, in the U S and, and globally. So all I did was just soak up as much as I could and then try to simplify the system. Mm. Right. I think the 
there's a, if there's an innovation here, it would be simplification, which lowers the barrier to entry, lowers overhead costs, and allows for replication. Mm -hmm. Like uh, one of the challenges um, in the ocean is people get too creative. They over-design, and the ocean won't have it. Mm -hmm. They will, it will not, ha it, like it does not want complex systems. You want to be a willow, not an oak. Mm -hmm. So if you have a storm comes through, you don't want to fight that because you'll get destroyed. Mm -hmm. You want to bend with it. Mm -hmm and then let the whole farm pop back up. And that's what the, your system does with ropes and buoys. Yeah, it's just really simple. So we could make things way more complex, do all these tricky things, and but I think that's not, um, uh, if you farm the ocean, that's not what it uh, makes most sense from a design perspective. Farming the ocean, so I've never thought about it like that. Because you're not, and you're not farming fish, which move around and stuff like that, you're just farming. And this goes, I've been reading this book, great book called uh, other minds, and it's all about the evolution of octopi. Uh, and basically, they develop nervous systems in the same way that we have nervous systems. But our co most common an ancestor is a slug, uh, and, it, and, <laughs> and it goes into the history. And the Cambrian, the Cambrian explosion uh, happened. And before the Cambrian explosion, which was this wild experimentation by on life's part, where we developed nervous systems, all this different stuff. Before that, it was just they called it the Ecadarian. Uh, Ikadarian garden uh, right. because it was like the garden of Adam and Eve there were a bunch of just floating things that would just kind of get food wow they would just float really? and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. absorb food there's no competition so yeah. there, there was no and then uh, and then this competition between minds basically between nervous systems and the first thing that came up was sensing because as soon as you started to add predators and prey it started to add uh, sensing and signaling as as like awareness in yeah, that exactly. way yeah. so that's the con evolution of consciousness is basically wow. the evolution through this competition of prey and predator oh, and stuff like that. Oh, that's fascinating. Of sensing other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and so that, oh, how cool. Yeah, and so that, and this goes back, this is like right there, at, right after that, yeah. maybe, maybe even in, in, in that, where you just have these organisms that are feeding off of the things around it. Absolutely. That's a bountiful thing. That's fascinating. And I've always suspected I was like, I, the sl slugs were my origin. <laughs> the... So what about the ocean? What is it about the ocean for you? What is, what is this like? Is it mystical kind of like, like why do you love that o ocean so much? Well, it's funny. I, I um, uh, you know, I'm not an environmentalist. Uh -huh. um, you know, I don't care about bears, bees, things like that. I care about work and the redemptive power of work. Mm. That's where I get meaning. Um, uh, uh, and I must, and so it's a it's a space to make a living and to find meaning at a daily level. It's, it's less spiritual. Mm. It's a not like high level thing. It's sort of deep and rooted. Mm. And the pride of either catching or feeding things mm. is just irreplaceable. I mean, and the ocean gives agency in many ways. Like a huge amount of our economy is just like people who have no power mm. right they're in cubicles they don't have much say they don't aren't, don't have the ability to be really creative in their in their jobs and the ocean is a space it's funny it's just you know a couple couple you know men and women on a boat um, making mm. their own way and trying to innovating i think it's just like it's a it's a good um, like palette Almost. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, this is some people in Silicon Valley are starting to think about it like that, where it is a palette, essentially. They see a lot of uh, uh, cities and organizations becoming fragile uh, because of their initial conditions that were set up. And so they're starting to see the ocean as a way you can set up a new society and live on the ocean yeah. and something like that. The food source that you're talking about is yeah. really interesting because yeah. you could have a floating city 
just in tons of these things around and people just exactly. that's how they get their food. The UN just designed five floating cities and with our farms underneath them. Oh wow. Right? Because it, yeah, it just makes total sense. You have the structure, which is the expensive part. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. um, and you don't need anchoring in these and you just you um, and uh, so no, I think that resilience I, I will say is sort sort of uh, someone from uh, my world yeah. is the question of the floating cities is who gets to live there, yeah. uh, right? Uh, yeah. if, if the effect of climate change is that it, it worsens inequalities um, or even the perceived worry of worsening inequalities, there's no way you're going to get the politics together mm-hmm. for society to move into a resilient sort of, um, sort of healthy Mm. Um, I mean, people will be attacking the cities. I'll attack the city. Mm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh-huh. like, you know I'll take my, my my shotgun and shoot those uh, those robotic boat, boats yeah. on the way out, yeah. right? Yeah. You know I mean? And so I just, I, 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 increasingly, I'm really seeing climate change inextricably tied to inequality. Like, if we don't address mm. climate change, we're never going to address inequality because the folks hitting first and worst are going to be poor folks who can't flee. And we're never... Uh, 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 going to be able to address, uh, uh, oh, I got those mixed up, right? So never going to uh, address climate change without inequality because we're not going to get the politics right. Yeah, like there's no, if there's no if there's no solution for inequality, the voters won't, won't make no it. I mean, look at France. Right? They tried to raise the, the, the you know, do the, the, the gas tax on it, mm-hmm. and there was mass revolt, mm-hmm. right, burning, mm-hmm. um, and that was a climate strategy. So these we need to solve uh, both at the, at the same time. And, but that's, that also is a creative space. Yeah. Like and what I, an yeah. opportunity. I mean, Climate for me, I mean, maybe we're all going to burn, drown, and, 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 and starve, right? Yeah. Definitely a possibility. Um, uh, but at the same time, we're at our best, I think, when our backs are against the wall. And climate change has become such a creative way to rethink our society, mm. right? And our relations to, to ourselves and, and, and to finance, oh. to food, all this sort of reimagining. And I like the oceans because it's a blank slate. Mm. Like on land, we have to unwind all sorts of stuff. Right? Unwind industrial agriculture, uh, energy systems, and have a major fight about these things. The ocean is just mm. a blank slate. Huge amount of people, so maybe we can do food and ag right this time. Yeah, like learn. I spend a lot of my time just learning from the energy sector. You know, like so. Like, you know, the origins of solar, um, uh, sort of community-based food development, mm. logistics. Like I just steal ideas from there and try mm. to move them out to sea. And so the main challenge that you guys are going to face is is how do you teach other people about your method? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah. At scale. At scale. Because there's there's sort of we can train lots of people, but where there's a climate time, mm-hmm. right? There's the time that like organizational time. There's a political time, and neither one of those are going to ke- are uh, keeping up with yeah. climate time, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And that's what we all re- need to think is like every solution is it scalable? Is it replicable? Fast enough. Mm. Um, uh, and that's the that's challenge. So for us, our training programs. That's why the sort of high touch of intensive training coupled with the low touch mm. of online communities mm. and data platforms, uh, predictive farming um, driven by data, stuff like that, uh, are just going to be key for that scaling and for, I mean, we know very little about growing in the ocean at the end of the day. We're, you know, we're decent. We're good at a couple species. Um, and we've got to learn in 10 years what it took 3,000 years mm. for land-based a- uh, agriculture to learn. Mm. Like we need really high, a lot of experimentation, a lot of failure, and a lot of sharing of knowledge. And so all the farmers that we work with have to agree to share all their learnings. Because mm-hmm. our argument is, like, we will fail 
if we hide our learnings at yep. this point, mm -hmm. right? Because well, this is taken from software essentially, exactly. which is yeah, realize that you can you can you can make a large business. GitLab is a business that's like six seven billion dollars now, and they're totally totally open source. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly, um, exactly. So that's really cool. Well, thank you so much. And how can people find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, so go to greenwave.org, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know sign up to to help get the newsletter. We've got you know uh, apply to be a farmer, mm -hmm. a sponsor a farmer. There's all sorts of ways, and uh, you know sort of like all hands on deck. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Right yeah. Thanks yeah. so much. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah.